If you would please turn your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. We're going to read the first 11 verses. If you didn't pick it up in the songs that we sang, we're going to talk this morning about the, the return of Christ, uh, the return of the Lord Jesus. Keep your Bibles open to this passage. I will be back. And as I read it, I will remind you that this is the Word of God. Acts, the first chapter, verse 1. The first account I compose, Theophilus, about all that Jesus both began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of forty days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who, was taken, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Let's pray. Now, Father, is. Luke wrote this book. He referred to his first book that he wrote, which we call the book of Luke, where he dealt with what Jesus uh, taught while on earth. And now in Acts, he summarizes that Jesus also taught after his resurrection for 40 days before he ascended to his father, he, he taught more to the apostles. He taught them about the Holy Spirit. He taught them about the kingdom of God. So, Lord, we, we, we completely identify with them when they said to him, is it at this time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? It's a legitimate question. However, his answer said, well... That's not for you to know. All the stuff that Jesus had taught for them to know, 
the when was not for them to know. But what they were to do was to take this message, this teaching, around the world. So in verse 11, basically the angels say to them, stop looking up into the sky, get to work. Don't just stand there. There's a world to reach. But Lord, that doesn't downplay the fact that Jesus is coming again. What it does is emphasize that we should be busy until he comes again. So Lord, help us to, to keep those things in balance, I pray, as we look at what the Bible says about him coming a second time. Open our eyes, our hearts, our minds, I pray. Amen. Christ's return, the same but different. As we saw in our recently concluded study of the book of Daniel, the return of Christ was mentioned symbolically. In Daniel 2, he is the stone that was cut without human hands that will crush all the kingdoms of the earth. In Daniel 7, he's the son of man that all people, nations, and men of every language will worship, whose kingdom will not be destroyed. In Daniel 9, he was the Messiah whose life was cut short, but who returned, uh, but who will return to finish what he started. In Daniel 11, he was the one who will put an end to the blasphemy of the Antichrist. What was seen darkly in Daniel is seen in the light here in Acts chapter 1, verse 11. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. This Jesus will come. We're going to talk about that this morning. First of all, why Christ must return. Why Christ must return. And, and the fact is, he has unfinished business, is why he must return. Um, we'll look at that uh, in a little bit. But why is it that we believe, why do Christians believe that Jesus is coming back? In fact, I would go so far as to say that one of the actual fundamentals of the faith is a belief in the return of Christ. Now, as we discussed, you know, timing and, and uh, other things uh, sometimes we disagree on. But what all Christians agree on is that Christ is coming back. He, he must return. He will come in just the same way as he left. Well, why is it that we believe that Christ must return? Well, first of all, because the Father decided it. The Father decided it. Matthew 24, 30 and 36. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. 
Jesus will return because the Father decided it. It's his plan. It's his purpose. It's his will. Jesus must come back. Jesus must return because the Bible declares it. The Bible declares it. We have, we, in the Bible, we have Jesus' word on it. John 14, 3. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Christ must return because he said he was coming back. We have Paul's word on it, Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then also then you also will be revealed with him in glory when Christ, who is our life, is revealed. We have Jesus' word on it. We have Paul's word on it. We have James' word on it. James 5, 7. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. So Jesus said it. Paul said it. James said it. Peter said it. 2 Peter 1, 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we were when we were made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So the Bible declares it. The Father decided it. Justice demands it. Justice demands it. God's holiness must be vindicated. There must be coming a judgment. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then... And will then repay every man according to his deeds. 1 Corinthians 4. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motive of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. Justice demands that Christ returns. There must, be a, there must come a time of judgment where people answer for their sins. Now, as you know, we, we, our sins were answered for on the cross. But nevertheless, uh, injustice must be um, held accountable. Sin must be judged. So why do Christians believe Jesus is coming back? Well, the Father decided it. The Bible declares it. Justice demands it. Even nature desires it. Nature desires it. Romans 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now that is a, talking about the second coming. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. So all creation is groaning. Even nature is waiting for uh, the return of Christ, because as we know, um, after the return of Christ comes a new heaven and a new earth. So the Father decided, the Bible declares it, justice demands it, nature desires it, um, and Satan dreads it. Second Thessalonians 2.8 For that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth, and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. Satan dreads the coming of Christ because he will face his ultimate judgment. Lastly, Christians depend on it. 
Christians depend on it. <clears throat> Luke 21, 28. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Hebrews 9. So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. Our salvation, the consummation of our salvation, uh, is wrapped up in the return of Christ. Um, when we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Redemption will be complete. Sin will be vanquished. Christians depend on it. So why Christ must return? Why Christ must return the same way he left? That's our second question. Um, if you get look at verse 11. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus. Now, uh, I grew up with the King James, of course. Uh, it says, This same Jesus. This same Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. What does it mean, this same Jesus will come in just the same way? Or, again, as King James says, in like manner. Um, why must Christ return the way he left? Well, uh, it has to be visible. Look at verse 9. It will be visible. After he had said these things, he lifted up, uh, he was lifted up while they were looking on. All right. So, again, it says the same way. Well, what way did he leave? Well, he left visibly. They were watching him ascend to his father. So, if they saw him ascend to his father, then people will be able to see him return, which I believe will be to the Mount of Olives. Um, but people will actually, it will be a visible return. Look at verse 10. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, right? Um, they, were, they were looking on in verse 9. They were gazing intently in verse 10. Verse 11. Uh, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you watched him go into heaven. So we believe that Christ's return will be visible. It will be seen. Now again, we love to speculate on these things, right? We know that it will be visible and it can be seen. And we do know that certainly those in the vicinity of the Mount of Olives will see it. Um, you know, doesn't mean everybody around the world will see it. Uh, I, I, I'm not smart enough to answer that question. I remember years ago when, uh, this would be hard for some of you young people to remember, but before there was um, around-the-clock the cable news, when CNN came on the scene, many pastors of my persuasion said, this is how everybody will see it. They'll be watching CNN. Okay. Well, I, I don't know about that. Um, but I do know it would be possible for everybody to see something that's happening somewhere else, right? But it'll be visible. It will be literal. All right. Look at verse 3. To, to these, he also presented himself alive after his sufferings, after the 
cross after his death, burial, and resurrection, he presented himself alive with many convincing proofs. He, his resurrection was literal. He, he literally rose from the dead. He presented himself alive. Uh, verse 2, until the day when he was taken up to heaven. So, in verse 2, he was taken up alive because it says in verse 3 that that's how he uh, was among them. So, if he, if his taking up was literal, then so will be his return. Um, verse 9, and after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So again, uh, he, he, his, his ascension was literal. They, they could see it. They could watch it. Um, he was received up into the sky, or as verse 11 tells us. They said also, uh, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? What is meant by that? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. So again, he was literally received up into heaven. He will literally return from heaven. It will be visible. It will be physical. Now, I mean, what I mean by that is it'll be bodily. Um, we're not talking about a, a spiritual event. Uh, there are those who claim that the resurrection of Christ was spirit, that he rose in spirit and his spirit was still with us. No, he rose from the dead bodily. He ascended to his father bodily. He will return bodily. When Christ took on flesh, it was permanent. We know that God is a spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit did not have literal bodies until the incarnation and Christ took on flesh. He stayed in that flesh. He went up to heaven in that flesh. He will come back from heaven in that flesh. His resurrection was bodily. His ascension was bodily. His return will be bodily. What's that mean? We're not looking for a spiritual return. Okay, that, that, that we're just talking something spiritual here. No, we're talking about an actual visible, literal physical return of Christ. He must return the same way. Again, why does it say that? Verse 11. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking at the sky? This same Jesus was taking up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. So Christ must come back. There, there are many more promises of his second coming than there are of his first coming. And his first coming was fulfilled, so will his second coming be fulfilled. And he'll come back the same way that he left. But that doesn't mean it won't be different. It'll be different the next time. Why Christ's return will be different the next time. Titus 2.13. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. His return will be in glory. 
His return will be um, as God and Savior. We know that the Old Testament believers could not foresee that the coming of Christ was in two stages. As uh, New Testament believers, we understand that. He came uh, once. He was born of a virgin. He lived uh, a perfect life. He died a very human death. He rose from the, the grave. Um, Old Testament believers looked at these promises and, and, and believed that his coming the first time would naturally continue till he established his kingdom. Jesus taught differently. Look at verse 6. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? So they assumed that the Messiah, who had now defeated death, would immediately take his rightful place and establish the kingdom. Remember, when he, when he came into Jerusalem, when he rode into Jerusalem, they sang Hosanna to the king. They believed he was their Messiah. They believed he was going to conquer Rome. They believed he was going to reestablish the kingdom. He was going to sit on David's throne. And all that was true. He was going to do that. He just wasn't doing it then. He, had, he was coming back to do it later. He was Messiah at his birth. And then the death of the cross, um, as Daniel said, he was cut off. But he will return on his throne. So the first time he came as a lamb, the first time he came as a lamb, meek and lowly, lying in a manger, John the Baptist pointed him out, said, Behold the Lamb of God. The first time he came as a meek, mild lamb. The next time he comes back as a lion. He comes back with a roar, with a shout of the archangel, the trumpet of God. Because he's not just the lamb of God, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. It'll be different the next time. He came the first time uh, kind of like under the radar. He, 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 he surprised even Herod when the wise men showed up, they said, hey, where's the newborn king? He goes, what newborn king? He came meek and lowly. Next time he'll come back as a lion. The first time he came as a suffering servant. Um, Isaiah 53. He was forsaken. Uh, remember on the cross, he was even forsaken uh, by God. He he, he, he died alone. The next time, he'll come as a conquering king. He won't be alone. Um, he'll come with his armies. You can read about that in Revelation 19, particularly verses 11. Well, let's go there. Revelation 19, 11. Now, this is a vision of what's, of what's going to happen. Okay. And I, uh, Revelation 19, 11, And I saw heaven opened. All right. That's what, that's what we've been reading about uh, in Acts 1. 
And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and his head uh, are many diadems. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that it may strike down the nations. And he will rule over them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepresses of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The next time he comes, it'll be different. He'll come as the conquering king. Let me show you one last verse here uh, to close with. Go to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. I want you to notice something. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. Notice the phrase there, though. Behold, he is coming. That's present tense. It doesn't say he will come. Or he shall come. No, it says he's already on his way. He is already on his way. He is coming. So what does this mean? We aren't instructed to wait for the next great event. We are told to wait for a person. We don't live in fear. We live in hope because he's coming. He is on his way. Let's pray. Father, of course, John concludes with these words, even so come, Lord Jesus. You're coming. You're on your way. We just don't know when. And Jesus told the disciples on the Mount of Ascension, or the angels told the disciples on the Mount of Ascension, don't just stand there looking up into the sky. You've got a world to reach. We have a world to reach. If we claim to be Christian, and, and, and part of the very definition of Christian belief is that Christ is coming back, then that should impact how we live. It should impact how we relate to people. So Lord, we don't, we don't, we were told to go up on a mountain and cut ourselves off, off from society and start a commune and, and arm ourselves. No, the angels said to them, Jesus said to them, you're going to receive power to, to go into 
Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the remotest parts of the earth, with this message, He is coming. He is coming. Amen.